You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Playback. As the Pirates go down to number two, Michigan, 30-3. to three. Of course, the Pirate Playback is brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. We appreciate Kevin K.K. Walker. In fact, uh, Kevin was in the big house on Saturday, and I think we needed Matt Semenza, Andrew Bays, Bubba Rosenbaum, K.K., a lot of the uh, alums to come back and play against Michigan. But uh, welcome into the show. Kyle from the Grange Ball Barber. The Hall of Famer for Pirate Radio, understand for the fifth quarter. They called you the. Ah, uh, they they call me a Hall of Famer. Well, I um, I, I appreciate it. I'm I'm proud to be in their Hall of Fame. Um, you yeah, tough, Monica, tough day. Tough, say again. You and Monica are in the Hall of Fame. They said for callers for the oh, fifth quarter. All right. Well, excellent. Um, appreciate it. But no, I um, disappointing Saturday. It's, it's yeah, I didn't expect much more. Um, I, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of the offense, particularly out of the passing game. Um, I didn't think we'd be able to run it on them, even though that was our game plan. Um, I, you know, I defense played well against the run. I, everybody saw what we saw. I mean, but, uh, it's disappointing, but you got to move on. This is a big game this weekend against Marshall. We need to find a way to win it. Uh, all the way from the great state of Connecticut. Hopefully he won't switch teams on me and go to be a UConn fan. Matt Semenza, how are you? UConn Huskies, guys. UConn, no, I'm just kidding. Um, what's up, guys? Happy to be here. Happy to have my former teammate in tonight, Andrew Bays. Um, I have a lot to say about this game. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you, you know, you watch it. There were some positives. There were definitely some negatives. Um, it's hard for me to really take too much from this game. Marshall's going to be a much better litmus test to see oh, – yeah where we are, you know, as a team, as opposed to Michigan. But, you know, I tend to look at things like a coach would in a film room. And, you know, when you watch that film for the Michigan game, Mike Houston and all the coaches are going to say to the team today, hey, we left, we definitely left plays on the field and we did miss some opportunities. So, Andrew, I think it's a huge week of practice coming up, my man. Yeah, no question. No question. That was fun. I mean, you know, what a trip for – Pirate Nation to be able to, you know, this is something that's been on the schedule for a few years now. So families have been able to save up and, you know, or, uh, not. Those, or not. Yeah. Those that, those that wanted to get out there, you know, there was a great pirate turnout um, in that stadium. It was cool uh, Friday night to go down on that main street and um, see the purple and gold, you know, kind of speckled throughout the, the maze and what blue maze and blue, I guess. Um yeah, you know, those are colors. It was cool to, um, you know, m mingle at some of the bars. And, you know, we went to one of the, the really good restaurants in town uh, down there on Main Street. So it was, the atmosphere was just awesome. Um, you know, it was really cool to experience that. I, I got over to the stadium about four hours prior to kickoff um, with Jim Zoki. Uh, him and I actually, you know, w we took an Uber over and found a local um, 
coffee shop called the Drip House, which was right across the street from Michigan Stadium. And um, him and I were able to sit there. Uh, a good, good teammate of Matt and I's, Matt Levine, uh, came by and was able to visit, visit with Matt Levine. Another teammate of ours, Bobby Weaver, uh, had made it with his dad. Uh, you know, so it was, it was good to see a lot of familiar faces um, in Michigan and you know, so the experience was awesome and, and it was good for the players to be able to have that. Um, now, as far as football, you know, that was a different story that, that was, um, you know, the game in and of itself was, I don't, you know, you try to take some positives away from a game like that. And I, I think that defensively there were some players that really buzzed on the field. Um, you know, Julius Wood, Mike Edwards, um, you know, Siobhan Ravel showed a little bit at times, um, you know, and then you had some that had a little bit of a down day. Jeremy Lewis was, you know, kind of him and Jack Towers in the outside linebacker spot, you know, they kind of struggled in space. I think Michigan, you know, they would throw wrinkles. Loveland was a, a tremendous asset for them. Uh, he's going to be a great tight end in the future. And they even threw some wrinkles with, with a fullback out of the backfield. And I, I think our outside linebackers struggled a little bit in coverage, um, you know, a little bit, I wouldn't say lost, but just, there was a lot going on on that field and um, a lot for that defense. But I, I feel like, you know, the defensive line did well. Um, you know, the offense, it's a tough one because you can't, you know, you can't really take much from that. I would say that Javius Bond showed yeah. flashes, um, which was good. We had heard some reports during the summer, uh, during the spring, that Bond was, was really flashing out of practice. And I, I would say that in a game like that, you know, especially against an elite defense like that, it, it would be hard to see, you know, if, if we have someone flashing, but yet he did that. Um, so a, he's a freshman, right? He is True a freshman. freshman. Yep. yep. True freshman. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah, no you got to think what he's been doing at practice with the depth we have at running back to play them, to play him as much as they did. That kid's going to be special. Yeah, without question. Not some of the things that bothered me. We, we we had too many penalties. Um, you know, in a game like that, things got a little chippy towards the end. We had some personal fouls that just weren't weren't necessary as the game was going on. Uh, a little bit of frustration that that showed out. Um, so you know, <clears throat> all in all, I think we you know we can't take much from the game. Uh, we there are you know a few here here and there as far as some things that might have been. Um, gained but uh you know moving forward to marshall it's going to be a different story i think you know i think the coaching staff really wanted to um get past this michigan game to get into the meat of the schedule and it all starts this week against marshall guys that's where uh i want to ask you guys the round table we have tonight by the way if you're joining us you can put your questions or comments in for youtube or facebook and we'll get to those in a little bit to, to get your you guys reaction uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, uh, so there's a lot of people talking about the $1.8 million payday. We got that. I thought special teams overall, I know, Andrew, you're more of an expert than I am, obviously. Uh, being an ECU Hall of Famer goes without saying. But the one area that I was really concerned about was like the punt game. I was thinking about, oh, my God, with, uh, you know, like going against a team like Michigan. But that coverage team, the coverage for special teams, I thought the special teams is the best in a good while we talked about the run defense, but I just want to get your thoughts about special teams because I don't hear a lot of people in pirate nation talking about our special teams performance. And we know how it was last year. Yeah. So, 
you know, Archer Trafford started the game off with a big 67-yard punt, which was much needed. I mean, that that was, you know, Matt can tell you with our days playing with Coach Logan, you know, punt, punt, kickoff coverage in a in a you know, a, a an away atmosphere where you know you don't want to give up a big return because a big return is going to f- basically turn that place inside out and you're going to you know you, it's going to be even more of a struggle as the day goes on and i think you know the pirates did a great job on punt coverage having that 67 yard net punt uh down to the michigan three to pretty much start the after the first series and then he had a couple other you know he was under duress a little bit but he um I feel like he did great. He had five five punts for a forty nine yard average, along with that sixty seven. And Andrew Conrad, um, you know, he missed that first field goal, which was right around fifty yards, which would have been great to have. Um, but he came back late in the game to kind of make sure that we didn't get shut out. Um, you know, that thirty three yard field goal. And and hey, Laith Laith Marjan, who is a kickoff specialist. You know, they're they're carrying three of these guys. And uh, Lake Marjan did a great job on uh, on his opportunities as far as, you know, giving giving touchbacks on those kickoffs. So all in all, I think the special teams did did well, um, didn't really have any kickoff return opportunities. Everything was was uh, touch touchback. But, you know, it was good to see positive progress in the kicking game. Andrew, yeah, would you call that? Kick of, a, go ahead. Yeah. Would you, would you call that kick at the end? pressure kick even though obviously it wasn't for a win or a tie or anything but it was at the end of the ball game to to make sure we didn't get shut out would would, would you say that's a pressure situation for a yeah kick? i mean 100 i mean he, they, they as soon as the offense goes into a two-minute offense as a kicker you're you know that you're up and it, it is a pressure spot so even though it was not from a great distance but you know, and, and at the end of the game in a circumstance that was just going to ensure that, you know, you, you're not getting shut out. It sure it, you know, every, every rep can, can be a mental stress. And I'm sure for him, that wasn't a, that wasn't necessarily a chip shot realizing that if I miss this, we're going to get shut out. Like, I think you guys make some really good points and, you know, I always kind of go back to complimentary football and, you know, defense, offense, and special teams working together. And you look at that very first possession with the punt, the deep punt down to, what, the one or two-yard line, and our defense came out like gangbusters, almost had a safety there. Yeah. And three straight runs up the middle for Michigan, and we absolutely stuffed them, right? So you go back to the opening of the show, I kind of mentioned that missed opportunities. So – that's a huge spot right there. Michigan was forced to punt deep from their own end zone, and we get the ball in plus territory. 46 or something. I believe so. And and in that spot, you have to yeah. – if you're going to beat a team like that, you have to capitalize. And I know it's the first quarter of the first game, and it's in the big house, but you just can't miss opportunities like that. You have to find a way to at least get three. And, right. you know, we, we threw the deep out route um, on third down, and it was intercepted. That was that was just a bad, bad throw off the back foot. Um, yeah. That's one you have to when you're when you're making that throw, you have to make sure that you get enough air under it to get it out to the sideline and let your receiver make a play. So, a shaky throw there. But you know, you talk again. You get back into Kyle um, missed opportunities in that game, and that was a big one right there because 
you had a chance to take an early lead and get some momentum. Yeah, we had a, and guys, we had a, our uh, great friend, Terry Gallagher, one of our contributors for the show over the years. He said he was talking about that very thing. To, um, he was talking about for us to be aggressive, punch him in the mouth. And Andrew, uh, Matt makes a great point being aggressive and uh, punching them in the mouth early. You get any three points, you get a touchdown right there. And, and, uh, and of course, the bogus officiating with uh, with le- letting a quarterback go over two yards uh, for a touchdown. Well, to talk about that play a little bit more, Dave, that, that Matt was just talking about, um, we, we were trying to be aggressive there, and uh, Garcia throws the pick. And, um, you know, I don't think it changes the outcome of the ball game. But if, if we're able to score there, you know, it certainly yeah. gives us more confidence. Obviously, it's a closer ball game. Um, but you know, you, you hated to see that there and, and, you know, I, to, to be fair, um, to Garcia, you know, it's a pressure situation, but it's like, it, it, it's like y'all said, he threw off the back of his foot. He, he That's what happened. You, you can't, you can't make that throw there in that situation. You have to, you have to be smart and you have to play with some confidence. Yeah. No question about it. I think it's, I think it's what you guys said, you know, it was an ultra conservative game plan. Um, play it. I hate to use the term Andrew, but maybe you and Matt can talk about it. It felt like uh, at times we're playing not to lose. Is that fair, or am I being too dramatic about it? But it felt playing. Uh, not no, to I don't lose. even think it was not to lose, Dave. I think we played um, not to get embarrassed. I, I really think it got to the point. I, that's that's the game plan. I there there's no way Matt, Mike Houston. Had that? Maybe I'm wrong. And Andrew, Matt, you guys, you guys would know better than me. You, you tell me. But based on that game plan I saw, I don't think Mike Houston had any realistic expectations of winning that ball game, running it up the gut on Michigan. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I think a lot of that was trying to eat, eat some clock up. You know, part of the idea of moving that game along and, and eating the clock up. Um, you know, you, you. A recipe for that game, I'm sure Matt's talked about this, maybe in leading up to Michigan, but a, a, a recipe in that game is, you know, you, for, for one, you've got to have the dogs in the locker room that are fired up to, to have the opportunity to play in that game and, you know, show out, you know, on a national stage. So that's number one. Num- number two is, you know, you, you've got to – your special teams has got to answer the call you know, and they, they did that early on with that, that punt to give the defense an opportunity and make, make the offense have long fields. So, you know, however you do it in special teams, you've got to be able to flip the field. And I feel like early on they did that. And then three, you just cannot turn the ball over. You, you know, at any point in time in the game, if, if in a game like this, in a hostile environment, you just cannot, you have to be protective of the fo- football. And, and the Pirates were so great at that last year you know, it's plus 13 and turnover margin being top five in the country and in, in, in protecting the football, you know, that, that was number one. And we knew that was going to be an issue going into Michigan, you know, with young quarterbacks as well, not necessarily young quarterbacks, but young in plays quarterbacks. And, um, you know, that's what reared its ugly head early because, you know, even though the offense stalled out in its first, first drive, it was okay. It, it came back with a big punt and, um offense gets the ball back in plus territory which is exactly what you want for a recipe for for winning football in a in an environment like that right and, you know you not only do you turn the ball over but you immediately give up seven points after that so right. 
you know, when you're, you, you get those opportunities and you squander them, it becomes a major issue. So yes, the answer at the end, you know, towards maybe middle of the game, it became, you know, let's not, let's not get blown out by this team. And, um, you know, it, it became what it was, but, um, you know, that's just my take on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I, and I liked from, from the game plan strategy standpoint, I liked the idea of, you know, even though sometimes you're not getting much in the run game, you can't abandon it. You have to keep probing the line and trying to make something work. But so I had no problem with, you know, running the ball. I think my issue with the game plan was just kind of running up the middle with no creativity. I mean, it just wasn't going to go anywhere. I would have liked to see more, you know, what I talked about before the game were very high percentage completions to get try to get Mason into a rhythm early, moving the pocket, you know, boot action, you know, especially in the first game of the season, defensive players are so amped up. You can catch people on boot action. You know, you, you can fool some people. And I thought that we were very vanilla on that first drive with the run up the middle. And then, you know, obviously it led to disaster on third down there. But I, again, like, so, you know, you got to stick with the run, but you have to do it in a little bit more of a creative way where you're not just trying to bang into the middle of Michigan's D line and you're, you know, you're literally getting stuffed every play. So um, just didn't work out. Well, you guys, Alex Flynn comes in. Uh, in the in, I guess it was in the second quarter. He he looked he he looked pretty good. Didn't play as well as in the third. Mason comes in in the fourth. Uh, when when Michigan's backups are in, of course, Michigan backups are pretty good, and Mason played better. Um, what what did you guys think of Alex Flynn's performance? And of the two quarterbacks, in the in the limited amount we saw of them, uh, who, who did you think had the better day, Mason or, or Flynn? Well, it's it's not that's not. That's probably not a fair question because I mean I'm asking it anyway. Yeah, Flynn. Flynn came in. I mean, Flynn came in in a tough spot, coming off the bench. You know, answering the call in the middle of it. You know, what what were still ones on the on the field for Michigan, and I I thought yeah. he, I thought he answered the call pretty well. He came out confidently throwing the football, and he had some untimely drops um, that you know were were really not not any of his problem but you know there were some there's some bad drops um that could have resulted in some points but um i thought he looked fairly sharp for coming off the bench he showed some confidence he he showed some you know the ability to 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 process the defense and what was in front of him be able to release the football get it out and um so he looked good to me i mean when mason got back out there it was clearly you know the game was was uh, completely different, but when he came when he came in, he was a, and 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 probably sitting down probably helped him out. You know, settling settling his nerves. He came out. He was a completely different guy. You know, he was yeah. standing tall. He was he he still wasn't super confident. You know, th- with his throws, he had some bigger throws. They were taking some shots down the sideline on the perimeter with him, and. Um, it still was not that Mason Garcia arm that we're used to seeing, uh, especially in practice and in scrimmages, that kind of thing. So, you know, he's, he's going to work through that. Um, you know, it's just a confidence thing for him, but it, you know, when he gains his confidence, when he's in a position to be able to, you know, step into the throw, get the shoulders into it, follow through. I mean, the kid's arm is insane. 
you know, ath- athletically, there's no question, you know, what the coaches see in him. Um, he's got all the, the, the God-given talent there to be a superstar. What, what did you say out of the quarterbacks, Matt? I mean, I see very similar to what Andrew saw. I mean, I, I thought when Flynn came in, he handled that situation really well. He looked very confident to me. He looked sure of himself. You could just kind of see. I don't know if it was the body language or just the way. He just looked sure of himself, whereas I, I felt like Mason didn't. Um, and I thought he, he he made some nice plays. He actually ran the ball a few times uh, very effectively to get a first to get a few first downs. And um, I thought he put some some balls on the money, like Andrew said. I mean, the one, the third down, uh, we had Jari Patterson in the slot, and he just kind of ran like a little fade. Um, Flynn threw a perfect ball. That probably would have been, I don't know, a 25-yard completion, I'm guessing, off the top of my head, yeah. and it went right through his hands. That was another missed opportunity. Yep. So you, you think about, you know, when you break it down, you realize there were plays to be made that we just didn't make in that game. And again, not to sound like a broken record, but when you're going to play a team like that, that's that good, you can't miss those opportunities. So I thought Flynn looked more comfortable to answer your question. Um, where it goes from ne- from here, I have no idea. I, you know, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to watch this week um, how it unfolds against Marshall. No question. We got a situation where uh, guys talking about that Marshall game, uh, that, We've got 11 games left, obviously, and to me, every single one of these games comes down to want to. I really believe that um, even the Tulane's of the world and the UTSA's of the world, we're not going to play a team like Michigan again. So my hope is uh, pretty much we escaped injuries. That was another thing I was worried about for the most part. But my biggest concern now is just uh, will we see the team, Andrew, when uh, you and Matt when we see a team that has a goal line stance and they did that, well, was it the third quarter early in the fourth, um, somewhere around there, my memories like haven't been able to go back. A very, very late third. Okay. Late in the third. So I'm going, wow. I thought, you know, please, we got to find a way, some kind of goal line stance, something. Um, I just feel like with, uh, with the next games coming up, you know, for the month of September, especially these are games we cannot afford to, not player best. I mean, if we could play like that, my point is against Michigan, then why not these other teams? We can score a lot of points, hopefully. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's going to is it Marshall is a different team than Michigan, and um, so the the Pirates have seen it. They've seen the elite of the elite at every position. That offensive line was insane. Um, like like I guys told I told you guys off off the air. I I you know I I don't think our and I'm not exaggerating but i i don't think we we got a hand if jj mccarthy was in the pocket i don't think we got a hand on him um so you know a level of uh, eliteness on that offensive line and um you know as far as their their defensive line on the flip side you know our all our offensive line i think held held their own as far as getting getting hit and and seeing those those boys do do their thing so you know it the secondary is not going to face, you know, the, the, the wide receiver threat. I mean, Ro- Roman Wilson is a pretty impressive uh, wide receiver. I mean, he was getting loose. He, he scored three touchdowns and he probably, uh, you know, he probably, probably could have done a lot more damage um, if, if you, if he wanted to, 
because he seemed to be getting loose quite a, quite a bit. Colston Loveland, I, I don't know that we'll face a tight end as as strong as Loveland. Um, so, you know, the, moving forward, the Pirates have have faced the best, and you know, from from here on out, that's going to be their 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 measuring stick when they watch film going into these next games. And I don't, and Matt, you can maybe talk to it better than I can, but I, I don't. I don't anticipate, you know, maybe there's an effect um, after you face a team like that, that you think maybe you can take your foot off the gas and maybe not play as hard because the guy lining up against you o- across from you is maybe not as talented as you saw the week before. You know, I, I don't think that that's a thing. I think maybe, you know, it would work the opposite way where you have a level of confidence where, you know, like, shoot, I'm up. I, I, I can cover this guy. No problem. What do you say about that, Matt? I mean, I, th- I think you definitely come out of it with a feeling like, you know, hey, if I perform against Michigan, I can go out and perform against just about anybody. Um, so, yeah, I think from that standpoint, you know, I think that, you know, first game like this, I, you know, people always talk about, you know, and it sound, again, it sounds kind of cliche, but you make your biggest leap as a team between week one and week two. And, you know, you've always – you've heard that for forever since we were kids. I mean, coaches always say that. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I really do because you're going to take this game and you know they sat in that film room yesterday and went through hours of film, hours of film, and cleaned up a lot technique-wise, scheme-wise, coverage-wise. So I would think that, you know, you have a team that's – I like to think that these guys are going to be very confident and they're going to be better prepared for next week. And they're going to clean up a lot of these, you know, these little mistakes that we saw throughout the course of the game. Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, n- I never played the game you guys have. So I don't know how you feel after a loss when you play a team that you know is uh, that good, how you feel going into the next game, if it gives you confidence, if you played well, or if you didn't play well, if you say, well, at least it's not Michigan. I, I don't know. I, I hope we're not looking at it either. With, with, with I hope we have some disappointment in the way we played and we and we got a little pissed off to us and, and we want to come out and beat Marshall is what I hope. But, you know, Marshall's no slouch. They had a bad performance against Albany. But, you know, I, I can remember back in, um, in 21, we had a terrible performance against Charleston Southern in between beating Marshall and beating Tulane. So, I mean, you could have a bad performance against an FCS team. Um, I, I, I'm really – I look at um, Marshall guys, and um, I don't know if you guys want to start talking about Marshall. I, you know, I, I, I'm one that I, – I look back at a loss so long that I'm ready to look forward. But, you know, Marshall's got Ali. You guys remember him from 21. He's a hell of a running back. He got injured last year. He's back this year. Um, he was their offense in the second half against Albany. They were down 17-7 to in the fourth quarter, came back and won at 21-17. Um, if you can stop from what I saw from Marshall, if, if we can stop Ali and, and they love to run tempo, but their tempo is really not predicated on the passing game. It's predicated on getting Ali going. If you can stop Ali, it really slows their tempo down. And I think, you know, we're going to figure out a way to score points, but if we can stop Ali, I really think we can shut their offense down. Yeah, no question guys. I think the, uh, <clears throat> I'm what I'm encouraged about it to Matt and, Andrew and Nicole is with our defense. It's going, the defense will definitely keep, keep us in games. Um, having the young quarterbacks, meaning the experience, I think that's a big thing. Uh, by the way, guys, I want to bring this up. Uh, 
uh, saying hello tonight. Uh, Johnny Robertson says, in the previous two seasons, Michigan has scored an average of 51.2 points per game against their six non-conference opponents. I do not wow. feel bad about the Wolverines scoring 30 on the Pirates. Another positive is what we talked about earlier. We did not surrender uh, quarterback sack. And then a question for you guys for the panel. Somebody forgot to mute their phone while they're going to the bathroom. Does our wide receiver play concern you, or did the Michigan DBs hurt our performance from Richard Ellisbrook? Uh Both. Both. I, I, wide receiver plays, you know, dropping balls, uh, like mentioned earlier, that ball that Flynn threw, that's concerning. Um, but Michigan's DBs are really good, and quarterback play had a lot to do with our wide receiver play. So I, I think both. Yeah, I mean, J- Jalen Johnson had that pass on the sideline that got poked out by the um... – by the by the corner yeah. uh, or safety that was a pretty special play by by that player um you know <clears throat> i don't know i i that was a tough one to, to measure what we have on the receiving core i did not like the drops but um and you know <clears throat> as far as we talked about making plays and in, in games like that somebody's got to make a play and it just didn't happen so I don't know. Moving forward, I mean, we we'll see plenty of these guys with opportunities against Marshall, and we'll have a much much better idea of what what the world's going to look like for sure. How and many that, passes did we actually throw, and how many receptions did we have? I don't know if anybody has the stats. If is Bubba, if Bubba still Jr. Jr. is on. Jr. probably knows he's the stats guy. Yeah, we were we the quarterbacks were seventeen to twenty nine for one thirty two and a pick. Okay, so, so only twenty nine passes thrown the whole game. Correct. Yeah, so our receivers didn't get much of a chance to show what they could do, and a lot of a lot of that, a lot of that uh, accumulation of yardage was was late in those final two two drives, also. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Guys, one stat that really oh sorry, Dave, I didn't mean I got a little lag oh, here, buddy. Got a little lag. Um, one stat that I know Blake Harrell is going to be looking at ad nauseum, um, and and I'm sure has been for the last 48 hours is our third down defense because. Michigan was able to convert six out of 10 on third downs. Um, some of those were like third and 11 type situations where, you know, we just had to get off the field and we just and couldn't get, get, off the get field. any pressure. Yeah. And that's where they, and that's where Michigan, when I was watching this game, they present so many challenges with that big offensive line, because what they try to do is, is mash you on the ground and then you have to heavy up against the run game. And then guess what? When you do that, now they go play action yeah. off that run game to those tight ends. They have like 10 of them who are like 6'7", 260 pounds, and it's just a matchup nightmare. And I think that's where they really hurt us. You know, there were two or three times there where they had third and long on third down, and we just couldn't get off the field. And, you know, that's something – again, I know it's Michigan, but when you're looking at it from a coach's perspective, I guarantee Blake Harrell lit the defense up in the film room yesterday. I guarantee it. I mean, he, that's something he's going to talk about a lot this week because it, it doesn't matter who you play. If it happens against Marshall, you're going to lose that game too, you know, most likely. You're, you know, you're going to give up some plays. I'll but, tell you what. For what I saw Saturday night, Matt, if we make Marshall's quarterback look good, we got problems in secondary. <laughs> Agreed. 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 And I'll tell you one thing. Yeah, exactly. That guy's going – McCarthy's going – uh, for a Heisman Trophy, but if you make the uh, App State quarterback or the Marshall quarterback look like they're playing for the Heisman, then we have. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marshall switches quarterbacks this week. They got the kid from Rice um, who transferred in, and uh, so that's something to watch. Uh, 
you know, maybe that kid just had a bad game. I wasn't impressed by him last year when he took over starting duties for Marshall late in the year. And uh, I, I, I did not – what I was impressed with by Marshall, and I know we're still talking Michigan, my mind's on Marshall. Again, I'll, I'll stress it again, man. Ali's a special back. Well, guys, uh, another thing I want to talk about is uh, you guys normally give me a hard time, but uh, let's talk officiating. Not too happy with officiating. Um, I love you, Justin Butts. I know you mentioned – even Justin Butts was uh, complaining. He's an official, uh, and he uh, talked about the bad officiating. I I was just really upset with – I don't think it changes the outcome of the game. I'm not one of those guys, but I do think that – you know, I think they turned in uh, – I don't know if you guys saw what was the guys, 12 plays and – and the uh, they six of them were definitely ha- about half of them, including yeah, yeah, the missed calls. And in fact, uh, Jack Powers is not gonna they overturned that, so he's not gonna have to sit out the first part of the Marshall game. Oh, so. horrible, horrible. There was no targeted on that call, it wasn't even close to being targeting. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with wanting to be safe. But I don't know how you guys feel. Well, Maybe I'm old man. I just feel like the targeting call is the worst call in all appreciating. I think I think when it's blatant, it should be called. When it's not blatant, it shouldn't be. I think it's that simple. And the 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 dude in the in the in the booth for Peacock um, said there was no targeting on that play, and he also said that the uh, the dude was over the line of scrimmage. And you, so you got the official that, that's working for Peacock who, who's there to analyze the officiating calls both saying uh one that the play that the 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 the, the, the he was over the line of scrimmage so you had the guy there in the booth you had the guy there in the booth for, for peacock for nbc their official in the booth say that play should be overturned guys that is not a touchdown and then they let it stand and then also on the targeting call they said guys uh that that should not be targeting uh there was no he launched himself, but it was not he, – he didn't launch himself into his head. He left his feet, but it was more of a – he was almost forced to. And they called targeting. So, that was it, the, the officiating was horrible in that game. No doubt. And, um, in fact, uh, we got some uh, – I'll put this back on the screen. Kenneth Maynard, one of our new uh, viewers and listeners, said officiating was atrocious. Definitely some big home cooking. Justin Butts, as I said, is an official. He said, look, I've made some calls I've seen on film and, like, I screwed up, but that was bad. In fact, he said, guys, I didn't know this, four of the calls were featured on the weekly NCAA officiating video, um, he was told. so." Yeah, which- it, it, it was wow. bad. Like I said, when, when you have the official in the booth, okay, I know none of you guys watched it on TV. Well, Matt, you did. But, the, the, the Dave, you were there, and, and, and obviously, Andrew, you were there. But, Matt, you, you, when, when the dude in the booth, the official in the booth, this working for the network is saying those are bad calls. How often have you ever seen that? Well, there were three occasions to be very specific. Yep. There were three separate occasions where the official in the booth overruled the call on the field. And he actually, I think he used the word indisputable. Yep. He used the word indisputable, which to me is a pretty strong word. Um and so so you know it's one thing for an official to make a mistake on the field. It's a fast game. But when you have the benefit of replay and cameras everywhere and going to the booth and then you still screw it up, that's home cooking. And, and, and when the, uh, the the official that's working for Peacock is saying the opposite of what the call is, it's definitely home cooking. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And Chris Sims, guys, I, you know, he was terrible. I'm just going to call it like I see it. 
you know, <laughs> Andrew. You yeah, know, uh, know was good. The the, yeah. Hey, hey Mike, uh, Matt. <laughs> Is uh, which is better, his quarterback play or his analysis? He, he was an overrated quarterback at Texas. He sucked in the NFL, and he sucks in the booth. Now, Phil, on the other hand, guys, was a great giant in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. But uh, Andrew, I mean, the, the, I think Mike Tirico's lost some on the fastball over the years, um, and I think Chris Sims was bad, and um, the whole production on people. At least Tariqo knew about us. He knew our history and talked about calling games in Greenville and how great yeah. our fan base was. Yeah, he he did a lot of those Thursday night games. I remember a few times. Also, guys, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but um, I, I got to tip my hat to Kyle right here. But did you see that our game, and I know everybody's going to say it was Michigan, we had the biggest stream in the history of Peacock and – and I, but a lot of our fans watched the game. Some probably didn't know how to get to Peacock, but I'm telling you guys, uh, they need to start. Kyle talks about it all the time, so I got. Yeah, and, this, and this is actually interesting too. If if it truly is the biggest, what I want to know is, is they said it was the biggest sporting event ever streamed through Peacock. Well, some people might laugh at that and go, well, "How many sporting events have been streamed on Peacock?" Well, I'm not sure if they're including this, but I'd love to know if they're including the Peacock owns the WWE stuff. So if they're including WrestleMania on that. Those were some big damn numbers. Did we get the numbers, or do we just hear it's the biggest? And do we get how many people viewed it on Peacock? I haven't seen it yet. They probably maybe they'll come out with it. I just saw the that generic statement, but I haven't seen the. Um, if anybody knows, let me know. I haven't seen the stats on that, uh, and maybe with the holiday, maybe it's tomorrow. We would hear something like that, but um, but I haven't. Well, they heard. got the numbers. If, if if they said it's the most streamed, I know. Ever. I'm just saying. Yeah. Will they when will they release it? Is my question. I I don't know about. Um, that, but I, I did want to mention that because I thought that was, uh, you know, it's one of those things where SMU, and I don't want to do a mat here, but SMU, it's frustrating that we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but they get to the ACC, but they have like 10,000 people there. We can talk about Dallas, we can talk about all the money they have, but East Carolina can sell out more stadiums in the ACC than SMU ever will. Uh, it's just so frustrating. And then our fan base is so big. You can talk about Michigan. They have a huge fan base. Oh, my God, that uh, stadium is impressive. Um, uh, we could do a whole show on just the experience at the uh, the big house. But uh, but as far as East Carolina, I'm telling you guys, uh, we got to do something to to really push our, our, our program and really sell our program because we have something to be proud of. In fact, to, Andrew, I've heard two numbers. Maybe you know, maybe you guys. I've heard 6,000 and I've heard 8,000. I don't know, but it sounds more like – bold numbers of, of our, how great our fans are traveling. Have you heard, heard heard that? I heard two different numbers. So not that it really matters, but just curious. You're saying how many how many fans travel to Michigan? Yeah, to the big house. Yeah, no, I know I did not get that number. They, but I they said six thousand on TV, Andrew. Uh, on okay, TV, so they, they said yeah. six thousand. Yeah, I'll I mean that, that whole that whole upper ring in the east end zone, plus you know what I saw sprinkled throughout, plus what I saw the night before, I mean, there, there was, there's quite a bit of pirate, pirate purple there for sure. No doubt. Um, by the way, guys, Richard Allsbrook has this uh, to talk about, uh, no matter you want to penalties, ECU 10 for 88 yards, Michigan five or 35 yards. And his point being is that, uh, and of course the, uh, we can talk about, that's something the, those late hits were, you know, like, uh, come on, man. I know, Andrew, you were uh, you were very outspoken, which you should be as a former player, but very unnecessary when I was listening to the radio broadcast in the fourth quarter. Very unnecessary. You know you're frustrated. We t- we alluded to that earlier. 
Um, but you got to find a way. We can't, you know, it's one thing we're done with the Michigan game. But when you have these 11 out of 12 games that are uh, I, like they're pretty much even games, uh, you can't have these uh, late hits like that that can make the difference of winning or losing a game. No, you got to keep your composure. At the end of the day, you got to, you know, every yard matters. And you can nev- not ever, you know, give your opponent an opportunity to, get, to gain yards unnecessarily. And, um, you know, they'll they'll coach that up. Blake Carroll will coach that up. Um, Mike Houston will coach that up. Those were just some some lapses in judgment um, on Saturday. And, um, <clears throat> you know, for the most part, Pirates last season didn't have a lot of penalties. And, um, it, you know, they, they, they excelled in that category. So Mike Houston's got a good, you know, disciplined team. And uh, I, have, I have no no doubt that that'll get cleaned up this week. No question. Looking ahead with uh... – with this Marshall game, you know, there it's uh it's one of those games like we talked about. Um, things can go either way. Do you guys look at it like uh with this for me, what I'm looking at is I want to ask you guys about too the uh rule change that I hate very much, but uh this t- whole trying to speed up the game, you know, understand the whole thing for baseball, but trying to sp- speed up a football game is just crazy to me. But well, you, you know, the reason they're given. The reason they're giving is to make it safer for the players, which is the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. So so you're telling me by not stopping the ball on first down that that makes the game safer for the players because it shortens the game. Shut the hell up. You're trying to squeeze in as much football as you can in your time window so you can get to another game. Making Please, Matt. Andrew, you played the game. <laughs> Explain to me and deep anal- deeply analyze to me how how no longer stopping the game for first downs, except in the last two minutes of the game, makes the game safer for the players. Please, Matt, I'll let you go first. Explain how that makes it safer. <laughs> I don't. I I hate the new rule. Um, I don't really think it makes a, a whole heck of a lot of difference. I think they just wanted to speed up the game. I think that's just what it came down to for whatever it is, for TV purposes, yep. whatever it might come down to. They wanted to speed up the game. You know, whenever people talk about player safety, Kyle, I always kind of chuckle at that. You know, I remember a few years back, the NFL was was all in on concussions and, you know, looking into that. And then, you know, they did so much research and documentaries. And guess what? They added more preseason games that year. So, <laughs> you know, it's just – it's, well, it's, very, it's all it's yeah. all kind of uh, interesting to me, but I think they just wanted to speed it up, similar to what they did in Major League Baseball this year, Andrew, with the pitch count, the pitch clock. Um, which now in that situation, I really like it, but I wasn't for it. What are your thoughts, Andrew? I wasn't for it in college football. <laughs> well, you guys haven't had to sit in a booth and uh, talk through some of these long games. So. Yeah, I like, I like football. I don't, I don't mind watching it. Um, you know, it doesn't bother but, me how long it goes. But, but, but Andrew, do you think it makes the game safer? Uh, I mean, they they can they can get into that, but I I think at the end of the day, you know, the model of the NFL has proven out, and I I think that you know you you kind of alluded it to it it it's keeping viewership. You you've got to the NFL mastered how to how to maintain viewership inside inside the program. Right. If a game gets too long and kind of drones on then all of a sudden viewership wanders and you you lose you lose that viewership from your from your network so i think these these uh these ideas of shortening games is to 
is to encapsulate, get more games, you know, in inside the network and to keep your viewership around. It it's it's all about just like in baseball, you know, <clears throat> you've got to speed the game along because you have to keep your your viewership interested and you know, you don't want them wandering on on the remote control to another program. So the more that you can speed it up in essence, you know, however it is that you do it with play clocks or with, uh, with, with whatever time downs, whatever you're, you're all you're trying to do is keep that viewer from jumping to another game. And, um, so, you know, I, I think that's what it's centered around. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for moving the game a little bit quicker if I'm sitting in the booth. <laughs> well, I mean, why don't we just have a continuously running clock? Why stop it for anything? Hey, like a one quarter game. Maybe you'll get to that point. I mean, I, I hate it. I hate it. I think it's going to cut back comebacks. I, I think I think now, you know, people say, well, it stops in the last two minutes. Yeah, but when you're down three scores or, say, 17 points at Marshall at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, you, you need all the time you can to stop the clock to pick up first downs. You know, it, it's really going to cut back on the amount of comebacks we see in college football. I guarantee it. And I, I personally can't stand it. I'd. Uh, I think I think you're going to have lower scoring games by and large. I think we saw that this weekend with a few exceptions, and I really think it's going to cut down a team's abilities to come back. You think about with the clock, you're down 17 points at the beginning of the fourth quarter now, and that clock don't stop for the first down. You're screwed. You're not going to see too many comebacks from 17 down in the fourth quarter anymore. No, yeah, I think that's a good point. I agree. I mean, I think you're just going to run out of time. You're just not going to – I think that's the biggest issue I have with it is you're gonna you're not going to see some of those dramatic comebacks like you have in the past. Hey, but here's I know, you, know, you talk to a lot of guys in TV, and like Andrew says, try sitting in the booth. I get that from your perspective. I know Rennie Angolia is a big fan of it for ESPN, so I guess it's all a matter of perspective. But I just feel like um, we continue to take this game of college football, which – I think is the most perfect sport we had in this country. And we continue to kind of chip away at it and make it worse. Yeah. And, and another thing, it, 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 like, you know, they keep wanting to make it similar to the NFL. Well, if I want to watch the NFL, I'll watch the NFL. There's a reason I'm a college football fan. I watch, you know how much NFL football I watch? Zero. Yet I watch every college game that's on. I watch every Mac game. I, you know, I, I watch FCS football. If I want to watch the NFL, I'll watch the NFL. Quit trying to make the game like the NFL. Well, one of the things the NFL does do, right, is um, certainly the playoffs for sure. Hey, by the way, um, Kyle, um, I want to get your thoughts on this. Johnny Robertson says anything that gives us less football plays uh, per game could never be an improvement. By the way, look, I at agree. His, look at his picture, Kyle. He reminds me. Of one of your favorite country singers in Eric Church, what do you think? Is that? Uh, let me let me rephrase that, uh, Dave. What are my former favorite country singers in Eric Church? Because Eric Church is a sellout. He uh, he he he. I lost all respect <laughs> for Eric Church as an Appalachian State graduate. Um, the him doing an NIL concert for the North Carolina Tar Heels, and then being leading UNC out on the football field. You know, in Charlotte the other night. Meanwhile, his alma mater. Do, do you think who do you think could use the publicity and the money from Eric Church more, North Carolina or Appalachian State? So screw Eric Church. Who who's Eric Church? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, and, I mean he, I don't know anything about country. He's a very, very well-known country <laughs> artist. So, this, this northern boy does. 
You know, I don't know much about that country stuff. Well, I, I tell you what, he, 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 I've lost all respect for him. Um, so. <laughs> and he, and he canceled a, a game a uh, year before last. He canceled, he canceled a concert so they could watch UNC play in the, in the Final Four. Final yeah. Four, yeah, the San Antonio. So uh, I think he, he kept his word on the show, but still – um, once you, when you have a situation like that, you keep the concert. I, I, I just, it just sickens me knowing he's an Appalachian state graduate. I just, Hey, if he was an ECU graduate, I would probably go on a campaign to smear him everywhere I could. I couldn't deal with it, but it pisses <laughs> me off. It pisses me off for Appalachian state. I thank God for Luke. You know, they also, Luke oddly Holmes. enough, they have two of the biggest country stars in the world that are at state graduates. Luke Holmes does support his, does support, does support his alma mater in App state. And, and Hey, Parmalee, who has you know has some success, or two of those guys are East Carolina grads, and yep. they uh, they support the Pirates. So um, I don't know. Uh, I've I've talked to some App State fans that uh that are pretty pissed about Eric Church's involvement with Tar football. Also, hey, by the way, guys, in the third quarter, Duke is up on Clemson thirteen to seven. So uh, that's uh... yeah, um, Riley there, um, um, Lincoln Riley's brother. I cannot think of his first name right now. Garrett. Garrett Riley, thank you. Um, making his debut there. Man, Mike Yoko is a great coach. Uh, if he beats Clemson tonight in game one, um, they're a contender in the ACC this year. And I mean, they were a really good team last year, but one nine football you, game. Yeah, exactly. If you take out Clemson in game one, then, um, man, you're, you're, you're immediately a contender. And I, I don't imagine Duke keeping Elko long. No, I was going to, I told you guys. I think he's going to the Big 12 in the next, uh, excuse me, Big 10 in the next two or three years. Alan Vicker, good buddy, said, I'd love to beat Eric Church about the head and shoulders with a Buck Owens eight track. <laughs> I'll leave it to AB. Wait, 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 he's a Buck Owens eight track? Yeah. That's beautiful, Alan. That's uh, that's uh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. The only thing is that's an insult to Buck Owens because I actually like his music and I would hate to hurt well, Eric Church, to be fair, has some good music. He, I just, yeah. I just can't deal with the the the, yeah. the Tar Heel crap, knowing he's a he's a Mountaineer. No question, uh, guys. Looking ahead, do you guys? Uh, what are some uh, early? I know this is way early, uh, Andrew. What are some keys to the game for you? I would say, with it being a close game, you're an expert at special teams. That's going to be paramount this week, every week, but certainly when a game like uh, Marshall at home. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the, the kicking game has just got to continue to improve. Um, you know, I, I to, to your earlier point about um, this Marshall running back, Rasheen Ali, I was looking back at him. 2000, I think he got hurt in 2022. He did. Before the season, 2021, he, he posted over almost 1,800 yards from scrimmage between rush, just rushing and receiving. And um, – so it's a big, big time threat that's coming, um, that's coming into town. So, yeah, that's going to be a concern getting him on the ground. I, I want to see better, you know, outside linebacker play. Um, you know, Jer Jeremy Lewis went kind of uh, AWOL on Saturday. Um, not quite sure whether he's dealing with an injury or, or what was going on there. But, um, you know, I want to see continued solid inside linebacker play. Um, the guys were, were flashing, uh, on Saturday, which was good. Um, but the outside linebacker play was would I would consider a little bit questionable. Um, you know, so looking at that, I, I'd want to see the defense a little bit more. Um, it was, uh, Papa golly, what was his name? Um, Mike Edwards, Mike Edwards played 
played a solid, solid game. Um, so defensively, I want to see a little bit more. And of course, you know, maybe, maybe we settle in on Saturday with a quarterback. Maybe we see Mason settle in early in a game, give us a, you know, good solid series um, to start the game. That, that would be a, a big plus for me um, just confidence wise, to be able to see him be able to do that. Um, and I'm sure Alex Flynn gets sprinkled in, continue to see some of his confidence, but I want to also see more of, uh, Javius bond. <laughs> he, uh, he, he flashed and I want to see a little bit more of him. Hey, Matt, would you, um, you guys know that Andrew doesn't, but I'm a huge trick play kind of guy, riverboat guy. Uh, would you guys, uh, recommend like, like that for, I know Coach Logan used to do that. He said because he had to, because you guys were playing like big opponents. But you guys think that we can see a couple trick plays, like half back, you know, option, you know, we just throw a, a long, a halfback pass, a long touchdown pass, or any any of that kind of stuff, any kind of wrinkles that Marshall. Do we have any former quarterbacks on the field at receiver or or running back? Right. Yeah, that that's I'm not I'm not sure about that. That's a good Bring question. Bringing Jeter like a Jeter in Raheem, like he's a great uh, athlete. I uh, know he's third string quarterback, but have him. At well, a, that wouldn't be obvious, Dave. <laughs> I know, but you. Can, I mean, I I can't remember Mike Houston being a big trick play guy. To Tyler Snead, Tyler Snead threw several passes when he was when he was still here under under Houston. Right. Um. So because he was a you know he he had the ability to do that. Right. So the, the the question is, do we have anybody on the field that can do that? I I, I don't know if anybody knows the roster. If anybody played high school football, uh, you know, yeah, I, I like trick plays in the right situations. Um, I'm yeah, actually I'm, I, I'm actually a big I'm actually a and I don't think it's done enough. I'm a big fake field goal guy. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, I think uh, I think in the right spot, um, you you don't see them ran very much anymore, but. I'm big on that, but you, Dave, you asked earlier about keys to the game, uh, yeah. beating Marshall. Um, I think the biggest key to the game, I think there's two things. I think you got to stop Ali. I think if you stop it, Ali's going to get his yards. What you have to do is is not let him get a big play. You can't let him have explosion plays. If he gets yards, four yards, three yards here and there, you know, if he busts off a 12 yard run, five, but you can't let him bust off those 40, 50 yard runs. So you got to keep Ali in check. If you keep Ali in check, if Ali gets going, they start running tempo. So you gotta you you gotta keep Ali in check. And then the other part is don't turn the ball over because if you can keep Ali in check, I don't think they have much else on offense. At least what I saw in week one. And, and so the biggest thing on offense to me, it, 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 we need to establish the run. We got to have a quarterback. I don't care if it's Flynn or Garcia. One of the two has got to play well. I think we need to utilize the quarterback run against Marshall. I saw Albany have some success with that on zone reads. I think both guys have the ability to do that, Flynn and Garcia. So, to me, those are the two biggest keys, to three biggest keys to victory. Stop Ali is, is job number one, and then the other two keys to victory would be uh, would be establish the run, and one of those two quarterbacks has to be just give us consistent play. I think those are all really good points, Kyle, and he's definitely the engine for that team that makes it go – Really quick, I'm hopping back to the trick play discussion for a second. Two things on that. First of all, I love it coming out of a long TV timeout. Yeah, I love to call a trick play in that spot because you can catch a defense off guard a little bit on a low, and you do see that it's a perfect spot coming off a long TV timeout. But also, a lot of that 
Dave, to your question, is dictated by what you see from the defense, not so much your game plan. So, in other words, occasionally, occasionally you'll see a free safety who he can he has a tendency to get a little nosy, and 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 you know play up to the line of scrimmage and kind of go downhill, play downhill in the running game, and he has a tendency to bite on play action or uh, you know a trick play like that. So, a lot of it is dictated by what you see on film. If you can spot a free safety who gets a little nosy and tries to jump up in the box and make plays, it's a great time for it. But, um, you know, th- those are just my thoughts on it. I don't think we've seen one in, in a few years, though. Hey, no, guys. Since the last one I remember, guys, was the pass need through, and I cannot remember the game who it was against. But uh, So that would go back to the 21 season. I know the South Carolina game we did, the I think Snead threw it on the first play. Um, but the very first play of the game, we caught them off guard. But I'm not saying – don't misunderstand for people listening. I'm, I'm agreeing with you guys. It has to be the right situation. I'm not saying just to do it to do it. But I, I think we need to throw with, – with these games, they're so evenly matched. One little wrinkle, one the, little thing like that could be the difference. The, the fumble rooski's illegal now, right? You can't run that yeah, game. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Clemson just missed a 23-yard field goal. And so Duke not only held them, but uh, they drove down the field and it was a 23-yard chip shot and uh, and missed it. So just- I got a question for you guys, and Andrew in particular, being uh, you, you were a punter and a kicker. Um, have, have you ever wondered why in the world on a fake field goal when the, uh, when the holder is able to pass or run the ball. Should, shouldn't theoretically the ball be dead when he gets it besides to kick it because his knee's down? Yeah, that, that was always a question question of me, too, you know, as far as, um, you know, you're, you're, leaving, you're leaving from a, 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 a position where you're already kneeling type, type thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it because I, I used to think the same. I used to ask the same questions like when I was, when I was a holder. Like, like, how does this work? But I, I don't know how the, the, the rules work within that, but obviously, you know, we used to run all kinds of trick plays. Um, yes, sir. What about uh, fake punts, Andrew? You're a punter. Yeah. So. yeah, I was a hundred, I was a hundred percent completion percentage. I think I was like three for three. I got a funny story, Matt, you'll like this one. Uh, I'm trying to think it, it was maybe, <clears throat> maybe my sophomore year. And they would bring me in for long field goals and long field goals and uh, fake field goals. And uh, so we're lined up for like a 47-yard field goal, maybe against Duke or Wake or somebody, somebody like that at, in Dowdy Ficklin. And um, the ball, the, it's called Yosh- the fake field goal was called Yoshida, who was our defensive line coach. And, oh, yeah. and the Cliff. coach. And Cliff Yoshida, who actually recruited me out of DeMatha Catholic High School. Yeah. Um, but in any event, so you, Coach Logan called Yoshida. And um, so in Yoshida, the ball is snapped directly to the kicker. So instead of going to the holder, to your point, Kyle, it came directly to me being in the kicking position. And then I roll out, and there's two outlets. Buck Collins was one of them. He was the deep outlet running a uh, – kind of like a um, deep out. And so I roll out and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I finally, you know, throw up, I don't know, 26 yard pass to, to buck on the sidelines, but he caught it at a point where he couldn't do anything with it other than run out of bounds. So 
you know, we get the first down, you know, I, the crowd's going crazy. I get to the sideline. It's my first completion and I'm fired up. Buck, Buck comes up to me, Matt, you'll appreciate this. Buck absolutely lays into me. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to give him a hug or a high five or something. And he just absolutely lays into me. And, um, long story short, he was wide open the whole time. And I'm, <laughs> I'm roll, you know, I'm rolling and rolling and rolling, waiting, you know, waiting for him to technically be open in my eyes, but he was open the whole time. And, um, he, he, he basically, you know, in, in, uh, in nice words, you know, called me a jerk and told, told me that he <laughs> could have had a touch. He could have had a touchdown if my jerk but would have thrown him the football earlier. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. So one of my favorite things I've been joking around with Bays about this for 25 years now. There's a play at West Virginia where I don't remember if it was a fake or if it was just like a muff snap. No, um, I'm being an athlete, Matt. That yeah, was a, that was a complete uh, break. Where you you, you, is this where you kicked Matt, it out of the back of the end, though? No, Matt. Were no, you he on, ran with it. Matt, but, were you on that pump protect team that broke down? Uh, I couldn't have been if it broke down. I couldn't have been. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what I always joke around with Andrew is. So he made a nice run. He was running. He ran out of bounds. I wanted him to lower the shoulder. Uh, I wanted him to, to teach the free safety or whoever it was a lesson. But, uh, you know, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I always, <laughs> I always figured there'd be another opportunity to make you proud, Matt. Dude, if you ran over a safety or a linebacker, th that would have been the greatest ECU play of all time. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what. The main thing is uh, you guys both – had a lot of wins uh, for East Carolina. And that that's one of my questions I had for you guys. We were talking about, I know, in the green room about identity for this team. And one of the people that knows a lot and I have to eat some crow, uh, at least for game one, is uh, primetime, uh, Coach Prime. But what about the, uh, the whole swagger thing? I know Matt gets tired of me saying the word swagger, but you guys had a lot of it. Uh, how, how does this team, how do you get that swagger uh, knowing that you've got talent, you've got guys that have potential. But the win. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to it. I, I know Matt's stance on on Prime, but I I, I actually absolutely I love it. Um, you know that I, I've watched a lot of. Um, you know, Prime Prime was probably one of my favorite NFL players ever. Just unbelievable talent, and. Um, you know, he's a guy that literally would talk smack in the middle of a, an arena, you know, in the biggest spot of a biggest game and on a punt return and would completely like yoke up a crowd and then turn around and return the punt for a touchdown in the biggest spot, you know, and do it on a, you know, basically answering the call every single time. But he, um, you know, I've watched his practices and he he's put together a heck of a coaching staff and they they run in an like an intense competitive practice and those guys are believing and you know it's matt and i came from a culture where you know a coach is going to get everything out of you one way or the other and you know bring the best out of you and i feel like you know coach prime is one of those guys where he understands how to get to his athlete and he might not have the richest roster you know of talent right now but he's going to get every square inch of talent out of that roster that he possibly can to win football games. 
And um, I'm loving, loving seeing it. I, you know, he, the guy's touched gold everywhere he's been. And um, that was an incredible start to his Colorado career. No question about it. We'll see how uh, that all plays out. Do you guys, I know uh, Richard had a question. I'm going to throw it up here. By the way, last call on questions. Any word on ticket sales for Saturday field, Dowdy Ficklin? I have not heard. You guys, do you guys have any idea on the Marshall game for uh, size of the crowd? Somebody told me last week that we had already sold over 40,000. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I believe it was, it might have been Tom Earnhardt that told me that. Um, in the in the, in the in one of our text groups, guys. But somebody said they called the ticket office, unless I dreamt it and said we already sold over forty thousand. So if that's the case, and I hope it is, then I I, I would expect anywhere between forty and forty five thousand. That's great. Yeah, I'm going forty. My prediction forty three thousand. I don't know. I don't know. No idea. But that was my my guess, and I thought that we uh, we didn't embarrass ourselves. So that was the question would be how would we do the first game, but. And Marshall's an appealing opponent also. There's rivalry there. There's history there with the plane crash. It's always great games. Every time we play Marshall, it's always a hell of a football game. Um, I really can only think of a couple of times they haven't been close games. So it, it, it's, there's some name recognition. There's some rivalry. There's history there. It's first home game. Um, They've never beat us in Greenville. Yeah, I, don't talk about that, Dave. Uh, let's don't talk about that. Um, let's pretend like it's just, just don't make that a thing. Um uh, so, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I expect a good crowd. Right now, it's a fifty percent chance of rain for Saturday. Um, I hope that goes away or goes down between now and then. High of eighty-four, low of sixty-eight. So you're talking in the seventies during the game, and it'll feel great. Um, after the you know initially at four o'clock, it'll be around eighty-four. It'll be dropping throughout the game, but hopefully the rain stays away and uh, we we have a good turnout. Man, I hope we have a great crowd. Like. What would be the reason for our crowd rain not to be, you know, not to have a strong crowd that game? Because, you know, coming off this Michigan, I, hey, it's coming off of a loss, but this is the, like I said, this is the true litmus test for this team. This is a huge game. We've been talking about this one since going back to the spring. We've talked a lot about this game. I, I really see this game. It's just, it's just a massive game in terms of who you're going to be for the season. And, you know, we, we've talked, ad nauseum on this show about you better win one of these next two games, whether yeah. it's Marshall or app best case scenario, obviously, you know, can we win both of them? Absolutely. We can win. Can we lose both of them? We can lose both of them. So you got to take care of business this week. And, you know, my big message to this team, especially offensively is listen, just go play football, let your instincts take over, play fast, you know, we, you can't go out there and think and overthink and overthink. It has to be instinctive. And you could see last week we were playing tight and we were kind of in our own heads offensively, it looked like. Um, so just go play football, play fast. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Um, but you have to find a way to play through it. So, you know, and Kyle doesn't want me to say it, but we don't lose to Marshall at home. Yeah, I don't want to make right, that Kyle. a thing. I don't want to make that a thing. <laughs> I just don't want to make that a thing because to me – it's never been a thing, and we've always beat and we've always beat them. And uh, I think if you start to make it a thing, then it becomes a thing to to Marshall. And um, instead of it just being another game, now that you got their hit coach Huff telling them you can do something nobody's ever done at Marshall, and that's winning Greenville. So let's not uh let's not make it a thing. I don't want to anyway. 
Uh, by the way, before we go, guys, uh, very sad. Uh, we lost on Saturday. We lost uh, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, so very sad to lose him. We lost him. And um, also we lost Gary Wright and the Smash Mouth uh, lead singer Steve Harwell. Yeah, way too much. Um, way too much that going on here lately between the wrestling world and the music world. Uh, no doubt. Been losing way, uh, way too many people. It's um, very sad. No doubt. And I don't know if we lost Andrew for. Oh, there he is. Come back. It was just a. All right, guys. Do you have any final words before we get out of here? Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I look forward to um, Saturday. It's going to be a big game for the Pirates to get back on. Uh, get get back on the right road. Yeah, I just got a I, um, a note uh, the news. If anybody that missed it, this relevant for the App State game, not the Marshall game. They're starting quarterback. He's out for three to four weeks, so he won't play against North Carolina or or um, or East Carolina these next two weeks. Uh, but their their backup really is the one that brought him back in the second half against Gardner Webb and kind of put it away. But uh, you would assume the starter was the starter for a reason. So, uh, but he should be out for our game. So uh, that's uh, something interesting to take note of. All right, Matt. Any final thoughts? No, oh, thanks to Bays for coming on tonight. It was fun. Uh, you know, Bays, you're doing a great job on the radio too, man. You know, you're doing a good job there. So, thanks, buddy. Um, Happy for you. You're making the most of the opportunity. And uh, I, I just hope, guys, that we're able to get this win. You know, one way or another, we need to win this game. And, um, you know, right now, I, I know the line is a pick them. Um, or, or maybe minus, minus three, minus three now, Marshall. So, so Marshall's minus three. Okay. I personally, I'm going against that. You know, I think we're going to get this, get the win this week based on a lot of different things we're going to talk about. But, um, yep. I feel good about the Pirates at home this week. I do too. I feel much better this week than uh, on the road against App, but uh, you never know. You never know. That's why we play the games. I'm, Andrew, I'm we... calling for overtime. Oh, man. Here we go. More uh, plays, baby. <laughs> Are you talking about for this week or when Andrew's uh, on the road at, at Boone? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both, but I'm calling for, I'm calling it for this week. Get okay, I'm teasing because I know Andrew was talking about how, how long having to sit in the booth. Thanks, uh, uh, Andrew, man. ECU Hall of Famer. Great punter. Appreciate you uh, for all you're doing on uh, the broadcast and uh, look forward to great work in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. No problem. All right. want to thank everybody for watching and listening tonight. Our Pirate Football Playback brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. Give Kevin Walker a call on the screen now. He's licensed general contractor. The number is 336-688-8461. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. Thank you.